Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on Sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, Clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With a certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, all you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And Airwave. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer 
and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece. I know, I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code Real Rescue, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Coming up next in this episode of The Real Rescue, we are joined by a volunteer rescue guy out of South Africa. He brings a ton of stories of high-angle rope rescue to this episode. As a matter of fact, we talk about 11 different rescues that stand out to him. Most of them come with some sort of write-up of some news article. They are awesome. So please welcome our next guest, Mr. Nick Holmes. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. All right, all right, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Today, I've got a guy who has been in search rescue for a long time, long enough that he has so many rescues, so many articles, we only get a piece of them, and I am freaking pumped. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nick Holmes. What's up, Nick? How are you, brother? Good and you, man. How's it going? Dude, I'm fantastic. Uh, thank awesome. you for coming on. And oh, you, know, awesome. you and I talked a little bit offline, and it's like, Gigi, I have so many articles and videos from you. I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. It's amazing. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I've got like an archive of, of stuff that's just ridiculous. It's it's great. It's great. Like, I love it. You know, I when I go home to my mom from time to time, uh, she'll pull out like a scrapbook. And I'm like, where do you even find this stuff, mom? <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> But no, that's good stuff, man. Well, like I said, man, thank you so much for joining me. Um, a little bit of background, though. Let's let's find out who you are, where you're from, and and you're currently in the UK, which I'm Correct. curious as to how that happened too. So, tag, you're it, my friend. righty. So, okay. So, obviously, my name is Nick Holmes, and uh, originally I was born and grew up in South Africa. Um, yeah, I am a engineer a electronics engineer um i specialized in sort of radio frequency engineering and and um, radio transmission stuff got a little bit sidetracked down the road which is how come i ended up in the uk um yeah and i um yeah i got into search and rescue in 2009 so a little over what 14 years ago and nice. uh yeah that's that's kind of <laughs> 
the, the, the short of it. Um, That's really short. Yeah. That's like really yeah. short. <laughs> All right. Let I me, know. Let, I know. Now I got to ask follow-up questions. Yeah. You're, you're from South Africa? Correct. Where in South Africa? Durban. So, uh, okay. So originally it's Peter Maritzburg. Um, so I was born and I grew up in Peter Maritzburg. Then I moved to Durban after high school to go and study engineering and i just never left urban really well i, I left i left there a couple of months ago um but yeah so so all, all my search and rescue um career has been uh, on the east coast of of south africa and in, in kzn uh, kwazulu natal primarily okay. in the Dur durban region got it durban that's uh where jared's out of actually correct uh, yeah, in SRR yeah. station five yeah 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 a little shout out yeah. to jared hey how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no okay durban i so i don't know south africa super well but i'm gonna start putting a map up right here actually i might even have it it's gonna be right here this is where <laughs> durban is <laughs> durban is like this little spot on the side of this long coastline <laughs> I like it. Okay. Okay. It's going to be right here. I promise yeah. it'll be right here. <laughs> okay. So then engineering, you said, yes. Yeah. yeah. Engineering in, in electrical or? Uh, so electronics, uh, light, electrical light current. Um, so I, I started out uh, in the aviation industry, actually, as an avionics engineer. Um, nice. I did, um, yeah, I did a lot of uh, avionics fitments and refits on on aircraft, uh, helicopters and, and stuff. Um, did that for a couple of years. And then I moved into design engineering. Um, and then I went to, yeah, I went into designing of radio transmitters and stuff. And then uh, wow, I moved companies a few years ago to uh, actually an American company um, that's headquartered in Austin, Texas. And um, yeah, I went into their design, design thing, designing automatic automated fueling systems um Ooh, cool and then uh, yeah from from there i actually got intercompany transferred to the united kingdom which i moved in april this year um yeah and so and i moved i moved divisions and i moved into the global compliance engineering team so i make sure everything is safe to go out into the world currently nice. Very yeah nice. but my, my my primary core is uh explosive proofing so to make sure Ooh. stuff can go into fuel stations obviously uh oil rigs mines etc and not make a bang which is fantastic because <laughs> i actually quite like blowing up stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool i like that yeah well, congratulations yeah. for, for your move up there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Good deal. Are you doing any search and rescue while you're in the UK? Not at the moment. Um, obviously, I've only just been here for a little over two months. And um, I have reached out to a couple of organizations. They do things a little bit differently here. So um, it's, uh, I have found a little bit of a challenge. Um, I reached out to, I'm in Wales. So, um, I, I reached out to South Wales police, um, to their sort of rescue wing. Um, they were initially keen and then, um, they've got a funny rule that you've got to have to have lived in the country for three years in order to have, be able to do a criminal check before you can join the police as a reservist oh. or a volunteer. So I was like, come on guys. Anyway. So I was like, okay, moving on from there. <laughs> And then I contacted South Wales Fire and Rescue and they were like, oh yeah, fantastic. We love volunteers. Um, but our volunteer program doesn't 
uh, enable a volunteer to enter active scenes. Uh, oh, you can attend a scene as a volunteer, but as a safety officer, and you you maintain scene safety and crowd clearance. And I was like, nah, guys, come on. I've got shit ton <laughs> of experience. I'm not going to go and put road cones out and stand there. Um, so I drew a blank there. So the, the next one on my list was um, Brick and Beacons Mountain Rescue. So I reached out to them. Um, I've actually got to go and see them. I just haven't had a chance to go up there and, and visit them. Um, and yeah, they're a mountain rescue organization. Um, I will need to join their trainee program, which sucks because I going go backwards. But I understand it from the perspective of they yeah. they want to suss you out, and and they yeah. and you and then you need to see if you fit the team. And right. so it it'll mean going back to being a trainee for a year before going back onto active active calls. It might be you know every now and again you get those where they're like, oh yeah, you're up to scratch, you know what you're doing, just jump in, let's go. You know, it always there, yeah. there's that chance where there's there's a serious case that they need an extra hand and they're like, yeah, you can do it, pull in. Um, so we'll see. I just haven't had a chance to, and they, and they're very strict on their intakes. They only do one intake a year. So, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So I'm just going to go and visit them and, and see the place out. They've invited me up to their base and asked me to come and have a look. I just haven't got around to it yet. So that's in the cool. pipeline eventually. Um, oh, right I hope now, it works just, out, man. Yeah. Right now I'm just trying to unpack boxes still. <laughs> I try to unpack boxes and looking into already helping with search and rescue. I love well, it, dude. I, mean, I love I mean, it. I, I, I found my helmet. Oh, that came out of a, look at that. That came out That's of a sick. box. I was like, I was digging for something and I was like, ah, pack my rescue helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I don't, uh, I, again, I don't, without a map in front of me, um, Steve Daughtry was on here and he is with the, uh rnli lifeboat station out of london yeah so, yeah, so that, i don't know if that would so be... london is two and a bit hours from me oh, um a yeah so rnli station out of london they would be on the thames on the river thames yeah 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 yeah, yeah. The, so we've got an RNLI... contact, just throwing that yeah. out there to you helping you yeah out. we've got an rnli station here in wales in um in penarth which is at the port down down the road yeah I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of going out to sea to be honest no so, never mind then yeah I'll leave I've, that for those guys <laughs> yeah yeah I've, I've done it twice and i'm like oh fuck it sucks <laughs> oh my gosh i like it yeah. all right dude well thank you for the little background i i really enjoyed that um now we're going to get into some rescues that you've been a part of and cool. you said 14 years you've been doing this yeah so 14 14 years give or take um it was around about march 2009 that i got involved um yeah it was one of those it's it's always like interested me it was always there in the back of my mind and and i I get i get lost in doing random things and i just got this beam up on it that i wanted to go rock climbing so i bought a whole bunch of rock climbing stuff and and uh came to the guy at the rock climbing shop and I was like, yes, I don't even know where to climb, dude. And I'm like, but I want to oh go climbing. <laughs> and he was like, okay, so I'll tell you what, myself and a friend run this rock climbing gym, um, yeah. indoor gym with rock walls, whatever, pull in, come and join us and uh, figure it out, see if you're keen. So I'm like, awesome. So I get there, so I get involved and I'm like there a couple of weeks and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of enjoying this. And the one night they were chatting about going on rescue training and I was like, Rescue training? 
They're like, yeah, yeah, we also do rope rescue. I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. And they were like, well, pull in. We always need more hands. I was like, you sure? They're like, yeah, Saturday morning, come, let's come with us. We'll show you what we do. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, well, you've tried it out. So I'm like, sweet, let's do it. So I rock up at the spot they told me on the Saturday morning. We go to the cliff. It's been half a day on, on the cliff face. I'm like, I'm in, guys. I'm done. And yeah, ne yeah, never looked back. So yeah, got got roped into it. Roped literally. Into it. <laughs> literally, yeah. yeah. Unintended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that's how I got into it. And yeah, 14 years of it. Um, wow. Yeah. For four different organizations, actually, at the end of it. Um, oh, wow. So when, nice. when we... Yeah, when we started out, um, we were a division of a voluntary um, emergency group uh, called VEMA, stood for Voluntary Emergency Medical Assistant, and we were known as the High Angle Rescue Division. Um, that then there was some like sort of restructuring going on, and then we broke away um, entirely and formed a and and well, they they basically shut down that division funding issues and all sorts of things um being voluntary so we a bunch of us four of us were like okay well let's start up our own one let's just absorb all the gear and everything and move over and, and create an independent non-profit organization to do rescue um which was then formed as rescue tech and that ran for sure 12 years i think um wow. and nice. yeah so i was part of that for a long time i ran uh team lead for a while i did i did actual operation management for a while um and then um late 2020 early 21 um it got absorbed into a bigger organization so a new organization started and they had a bigger um scope and idea of what they wanted to do and they were going to start up their own high angle rescue division and they were quite big uh, and had a bit of clout behind them and the uh, it sort of was well you guys got two options you can either continue on your own some of your members already have joined us on the, from a medical front so there'll be a little bit of a, a clash there um so you can continue on your own or you can join us and amalgamate but we're going to start up anyway so uh and it's kind of it, it was a little bit of a, a contentious issue and eventually a bunch of us who we're going to end up being the ones remaining behind. We're like, oh, you know, we don't actually have the energy to run this by ourselves. Just, just shift it over into the big organization, let them absorb it, let them do their thing and we'll go with it. And that sort of took off. Um, I, I just didn't have, um, I suppose the greatest time in the bigger organization. I didn't like it. There was just too, too many, um, internal politics and too many divisions jostling for space and, you know that sort of thing and then i decided to well one of the other guys had actually moved to another organization which is actually a really big organization but they run it in in a different manner um and so i was like oh well cool i'll join up with you guys i'm 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 done with i'm done with feeling like i'm unsafe um because that, that that came an issue is that i i just i, I had this i'm big on safety and i, and I just attended a scene that I felt was not up to safety standards. And I was like, uh, I'm not prepared to do this. So I joined another organization called SARSA, which stands for Search and Rescue South Africa. They're really, really big um, 
search and rescue organization, nonprofit as well. That spans the whole of uh, South Africa. They've got divisions in every province in South Africa. Um, it was a startup division in KZN. Um, so I joined them, spent about eight months with them, um, mostly as a trainee. And uh, then I moved countries. So yeah, didn't, didn't continue. So yeah, that's basically my life in search and rescue right there. I love it. I love it, man. All right. Well, now, now I get to like dive into some detail on some of sure. your rescues that you went into. And you know, I'm going to start with the very first one because I love <laughs> the first one. The first one's always that most memorable, but you actually have yeah. an even more memorable than usual because uh, this made it into the local news, um, which the news article starts with three rescues after gorge tumble. Um, let's see. In what appears to be a bizarre series of events, three men were rescued after falling into Kloof Gorge. According to the VMA High Angle Rescue Unit paramedic, Mark Etson, he received a call on Sunday for, I'm going to call it, Kloof, well, what's it, Krantzkloof? Yeah, so Kloof, just shorten it to Kloof. <laughs> Everybody right. knows that's Kloof Gorge. Got it. So Kloof Nature Reserve Ranger saying that they had found an injured man laying in a pathway in the reserve. The high angle rescue team arrived at the scene and were met by NetCare 911 paramedics and members of the SAP search and rescue unit. Quote, the patient was found semi-conscious about one kilometer from the entrance of the gate and was treated for treated by ER EMRS who set up a drip. The patient was then carried out the reserve and specialized rescue basket by HAR, E-M-R-S, and the, and the fire department officers. Yeah. However, once they got to the parking lot, they were met by residents who indicated that his home at, uh, at the edge of the gorge had been burglared earlier. <laughs> this is really, oh, really fun. <laughs> All right. Oh, you know what? Let me keep reading. This is great. He identified the patient as a possible suspect and told rescuers the man had three other accomplices. The ranger and the fire rescue officers returned to the reserve and found the further two injured patients at the bottom of the cliff. Oh my gosh, dude. All right, you know what? Go, Nick. <laughs> this is this is one of those ones where like, I promise you, if if I told you this in a pub, you'd be like, bud, you've had too much to drink. <laughs> it's like totally unreal it's like it's the most random story ever and so yeah so it was my very very first rescue um and besides the fact that it was so so off off the wall um random it also happened to be a really good friend of mine's wedding that day and i was I was actually getting ready to go to the wedding in the morning. I was packing my car because it was like up in the in the mountains. So it was quite a drive. I was packing my car. I was getting my stuff ready. Phone rings. I'm like, ah, piss off, guys. I'm, I'm going to a wedding. And uh, phone rings again, like 10 minutes later. I ignore it. And it like just keeps ringing. So I answer it. And they're like, listen, it's going down, man. We need you. You've got to come. I'm like, look, guys, I've got like a two-hour window. Like this, this, this is going to be wrapped up in two hours because I've got a wedding to get to. <clears throat> like, just, just get in your car and come. So I'm like, cool. Get on my gear, get in my car. 
up the hill, get to the scene. And I walk past the ambulance with, with the guy in it, handcuffed to a stretcher. And oh, I'm that's like, that's funny. I'm like, what the stuff is this? Like, <laughs> and then I, I, I look at it, I'm like, whatever, carry on. Busy putting my harness on and stuff, go through the gate, down the path. I meet up with one of the other guys um, on the route. And I'm like, dude, why isn't I handcuffed to the stretcher? He's like, bud, you're not going to believe this shit. He's like, these guys were burgling a house in the middle of the night. They got chased by one of the police dogs. They jumped the fence into the gorge. They just kept running into oblivion. And I was like, you got to be joking. They're like, no. <laughs> so, and why it was oblivion was the grass had recently been burnt. So it was black grass into a black hole. And these guys had just been running down this bank. And then suddenly there's a cliff face and they just kept going. Poof. <laughs> Just one after the other. Boop, boop, boop. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. No, no oh. it was it was it was really funny. And then, and then my my sense of sympathy just goes from like I don't know somewhere over here to zero. And I'm like, well, are they alive? Like, yeah. I'm like, well, they shouldn't be. And then like, <laughs> and then they get from like, burglarized house. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So then we get to the cliff face, and and they and the guys are like there's two down here. I'm like, what do you mean there's two? I'm like, this guy in the ambulance. They're like, yeah, yeah, two. Him plus his two buddies. They're down the cliff. So I look oh down the cliff God. and there's like one guy lying. It's like one guy lying against a rock down here and there's like another guy like another 10 or so meters below him. And I'm like, oh, okay. Start the exercise of getting him out. And like, you know, climb down there, get a rescue basket down there. Um, we were lucky enough able to get the police to bring their helicopter in um, with a long line. And we were long lining, we just long lined the guys out one at a time. And we long lined ourselves out afterwards as well. Uh, yeah. Also, very memorable. Burnt my hands. First day of running a tagline on a, on a helicopter. Burnt through my gloves. Oh. Oh. <laughs> like, so it was great. So I had like this burn line down my hand, um, like full of dust, full of thing. Get out, get at the end of there. We have our, our, our debrief quickly. And I'm like, Fuck, I've got 20 minutes to get to this wedding. Like into a suit in the car park. <laughs> Out of a flat suit into a pinstripe suit. Uh, like in my car, like I think I got a speeding fine because I like was just racing. I was like, Oof. rock up my, my mate's wedding. Like literally, it was probably about seven or eight minutes to spare. Uh, yeah, another, one of the other guys looks at me. He's like, where the hell have you been? I'm like, I'll tell you just now over a beer. <laughs> 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 oh my it was, god it was crazy that one was like and that one I, like, I'll never forget that one dude that's <laughs> awesome karma is kind of a bitch isn't it yeah <laughs> damn man uh, so what helicopter comes in the police helicopter comes in and does a long line um, yeah 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 so they brought they brought in a squirrel um i don't know if you're familiar with that yeah with the one squirrel, two five small... the a star yeah 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 a star yeah so known yeah. as an a star in the states um yeah so they brought in one of those um and then it gets it gets really great actually they bring the squirrel in and they they bring it into a, a low hover and they attach the line to it and um they they start a climb out and the line pulls off and we're like huh and they and they bring it down again put the line back into the hook and we like load it and they're like, okay, that's cool. And they, they start, they start their climb out and it drops the, the hook again. And they're like, what the stuff? So they, they land the chopper and uh, the engineer gets out. Now they're on top of the cliff face 
Um, and we in, we're in radio comms with them. Yeah. And we, the guy on the radio said, the, one of the guy, our guys at the top of the cliff says, oh yeah, the engineer says that the, um, the cargo hook's been giving them trouble and it keeps just la- unlatching every so often. I was like, and you want us to clip onto this? <laughs> <laughs> so they fiddle around with that. Eventually they like uh, put a hitch in and we're like, no, we're going to put a tail on and like tie it to the skid or something. So we, we're like, <laughs> Yeah, hook a tail to the skid and then hell thank goodness for for the for the three holes out <laughs> because i was like i mean I, i've worked on aircraft and and like i'm looking at this thing and i'm like that's not meant to happen guys like i know how oh i know God, how cargo dude. hook works and like yeah yeah why is this thing unlatching so yeah <laughs> yeah that was good fun Hey, nowadays it's two cargo hooks it's the dual yeah so now so now you've got to have the, the duplicate for yeah yeah, which, which two buttons, enough, fire, fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. which release, enough, release. I, I noticed that one of the guys had been doing a long line in South Africa the other day, and they didn't have two hooks on. And I was like, "Oh, um, are you guys up to the international standard yet?" So, yeah. Soon, so someday, 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 someday. <laughs> right. Yeah, unfortunately, in some cases, things only get changed when something goes wrong. So, yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, yeah. but it happens. Yeah, yeah. So, dang man. Oh, that's good. Well, thanks for sharing that one. That that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just gonna keep going through these if that's well, cool with you. Go for it. Go for it. All right. So this one was an article that was written. Uh, the headline is: Fireman suffers only a broken leg after a 35 meter fall. Oh my gosh, that's like 70 something feet. It was that's, actually that's a bit something... further than 35 meters. Actually, it was it was. 35 meters vertical and then an additional 10 on a 60 degree slope so oh my God. yeah all right so let's say it's for you know what let's go around numbers say 50 150 <laughs> feet that he fell oh yeah good night all right so the article <laughs> says a firefighter sustained leg and head injuries after he fell down a 35 meter cliff in an attempt to put out a valid a veld veld so, fire. Ooh, fire. Yeah, so the push, push fire. Push fire. Oh, okay, nice. Oh, learned something yeah. new today. So put out a veld fire in Hillcrest yesterday morning. So all right, you guys are out. So you're a firefighter as well? Or no, you've been through no. all that? Okay. So we're we're only specialized rescue, only spe- uh, rope rescue. Um so in this case, the fire department had been out all night. Um dealing with a bushfire that had that was coming up up these cliffs and there's houses on the top so they were okay. they were they were holding back the fire line from from the properties um during the night and in the early hours of the morning um this firefighter misstepped and disappeared off the edge of the cliff oh my while God. whilst whilst fighting the, yeah so whilst trying to contain the blaze um so, yeah, he disappeared into the bottom where, which was on fire at the time. So it was burning, um, and, and how how he never died is just another story. All I don't even, I don't even know. He, yeah. So he he broke his femur. Um, he his helmet was actually split. We found pieces of his helmet, so he broke his helmet. So the firefighting helmet actually broke into wow. pieces there was Jeez, a portion 
yeah, there was a portion that we found and there was portions that were melted, just melted blobs of plastic. So it had been burnt. Um, his radio had come out of his pocket and we found that as a molten mess um, in, in the area. He had the presence of mind to drag himself through the fire line um, in his bunker gear onto a rock. It was quite a big rock in, in the area with a fallen tree across the top of it. And he took his bunker gear belt and wrapped it around the tree and tied himself to it. And he stayed there for, sure, three, nearly three hours before we got to him. Um, wow. And he did that when we got to him and we spoke to him. He did that because he was worried that he was going to pass out from the pain and fall off the rock into the, into the burning um, uh, yeah, the undergrowth that was burning around the rock. So when we got in there, the whole area had actually been burnt out um, around him. And yeah, it was like, it was mad. So, I mean, and that was, yeah, 4 a.m., 4 I think it was. He, he fell at about 4 a.m. Um, my phone rang at 10 to 5 in the morning. Um, so the, 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 fire, the, the fire officer um, on that scene raised the alarm with with fire command um they realized that they actually didn't have the capacity to do it Holy so somebody smoke. else in, in yeah so somebody else in, in in the fire department got hold of us and said listen we have a firefighter down you guys are the only guys who've got the rope access equipment and and that to get in there we need you so we're like okay cool they're like we'll send the heavy rescue rig so we were like, okay, awesome. The heavy rescue rig's got a monster big crane on it. Um, and we figured that's brilliant. If we can get that thing in there, we're gonna, we got there. The heavy rescue rig couldn't even get close. I mean, it could get to like the end of the road and there was still like, I don't know, seven or 800 meter walk. So there was no way that thing was ever going to be any use to us, but it was there, looked cool. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so we, we arrived, I think I arrived on scene at about 20 past five or so. Um, and the place is just burning, like proper burning. And we get to get his instructions of like, okay, so how do we find the cliff face? Where are we going? One of our guys is already down there on the cliff. He's established a point of entry. Um, he comes back on the radio and he's like, right, guys, cruise down, down the. We had to go through somebody's property. He's like, cruise down to the end of their yard. And he's like, climb through the fence at the end. Uh, so, I'm like, but the fence is. It says electric fence. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just do it quickly. It just, it'll whack you once or twice, but just do it quickly. Like, so a couple of us got thumped by an electric fence climbing through. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> um, what the heck? <laughs> and then he's like, yeah. Then he's like, okay, so follow the fence to the end of the fence line, and then at the end of the fence line, sort of take a about a about a 25, 30 degree veer to the, to your left, and there's a tree stump. At the tree stump, just go straight down the hill, and you'll find us. So we bugger off like, and we like take this veer off. We're walking around the bush for I don't know, ten minutes or so. Get on the radio and they're like, but like, what? We can't find this tree stump. Tree stump had burnt. It was no longer there. It was it had burnt out in the time that he had gone past to the time we had arrived. The tree stump had burnt to nothing. So eventually they sent a firefighter up to find us, took us down. We had to cross through a flame front. They were burning kind of like that. So we had to zigzag through a burning flame front. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah it was. Insane. It was just hot. 
yeah i mean and and the whole time we were like we're going to be dealing with ropes that are flammable like this stuff can melt and and we had to then find trees that hadn't been burnt or that were cool enough to, to you know to put slings around and stuff that they weren't going to actually combust our, our anchor systems um and make sure that the firefighters were on top of keeping the flames away from where we were working and yeah so yeah then i, I mean i abseiled down into there with a paramedic i actually went before the paramedic so that we could establish that the ground was safe below before he could go down if i needed to put any anchor systems or anything in um also we were we were down on crew that morning so there was only i think at that stage there was only five of us on the scene so we needed we didn't have as many hands as we would normally have to run it um so i opted to take the stokes basket the medical pack the oxygen tank and myself all in one go down the down the mountain um yeah that wasn't that was some crazy additional load on my descending equipment um and and it was loaded dark. to the uh, max i was loaded man I, I like i i was like take that basket strap everything into it attach that basket to my d-ring and and i'm going and yeah disappeared off into the mountain off the mountain um couldn't see the bottom it was mostly because it was was still smoky and and stuff just bug it down till i found the bottom and then i actually what happened was the basket landed and i landed like sort of over the basket okay. and i sat down into the basket to take myself off the descending equipment and as i sat down into the basket the basket became a bobsled and started sliding down the bank <laughs> that's when i realized that that wasn't the bottom there was still some more to this Oh so, my god! So yeah, so I, then I I just went with it, just carried on descending, you know, like just letting out rope, just sliding down the bank until we came to a stop. Stood up, my my headlamp caught the reflective of the firefighter. I was like, right, this is where we got to be. And then I was just, and then I was like, right, guys, I'm gonna stay on the line at the bottom. So we've got some load on the line. Just just follow the line till till you get to where I am, and then uh, we'll work from there. Uh, yeah, and then. It was another sort of hour and a bit before sunrise. So we worked on the headlights for just over an hour, dealing with the, the firefighter, cutting off his bunker gear, cutting off his boots, um, yeah, establishing that he had a broken femur. Thank goodness, not not a not a um, complex break. Um, set up RV line, um, uh, established sort of pain meds, uh, paramedic issued some pain meds for him, kept him comfortable. Um, so then the guy started getting obviously once you give the guy morphine you know they, they get the shivers and stuff now you gotta try and keep them warm I'm cooking man I'm like this place is on fire bro and you're shivering <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah so it dealt with that and then we then we established that you know the best way out of this is going to be with the helicopter we we to, to take him out and yeah, the conventional you're... method of you're of, 50 uh, meters down, 150 yeah, no, so, feet. That's a long way to try to bring somebody up with a couple of ropes. It's it's not that bad in a mechanical advantage system in, in, in an upward haul system. Okay. It takes time. It takes time, um, which is fine. But the environment wasn't conducive to it. Um, yeah. I mean, stuff was burning. We didn't know how hot different areas were. Now you're going to run ropes through, on the ground. 
you don't know if it's running over hot rocks or anything burning subsoil. So we 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 figured like, listen, we actually need a helicopter. So the go-to out in in South Africa is the military. We don't have we don't have civilian operators that are hoist and um, long line equipped. Um, the police okay. sometimes have the capability, um, but the military the military have a tasking to do rescue work as well. So we get hold of joint ops and we're like, this is a situation. We have a firefighter down. It's not, not a member of public. So this is, this is a government entity. We have a firefighter down. This is where we are. We need a, we need an airframe. And they're like, um, okay, so our airframe is on deployment right now. So we don't have many airframes. This is not America. We, we have like two. So, I like, love how you so, just said this is not America. We're yeah, in South like, Africa, damn it. Yeah, I don't have so, I don't have a helicopter like I do a, a mosquito. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we like like the Air Force Base um 15 squadron has like three or four airframes. And they're okay. mostly in, in 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 cycle. So they've got they've got two medium lift helicopters known as the Oryx, which is a super puma, and then yep. two light helicopters, which is an AW109 Augusta Westland. Um, and, and those are not really conducive to this kind of rescue. So we needed the we needed the, the RX, the medium lift helicopter. Um, it was out in deployment. Their second one was down for maintenance. Um, so we were like, okay, now what happens? They're like, well, we'll redirect from deployment, but it's going to take some time. We're like, okay, fine. Some time turned into three hours. Um, they had to divert this machine from up north, bring it back in, refuel it, change the crew, bring it back, to, get it back to us get it out to us. Eventually we hoist this firefighter up. He's been down there for five and a bit hours now. We've been down there for four and a bit hours. Um, get him out, get him into the machine, get him off to hospital. And then we all look at each other and we're like, oh shit, we've got to climb back up this cliff face. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, don't even, I can't even remember how I was shattered. I was absolutely wrecked. Then I still went to work after that and I did half a day's worth of work. <laughs> it's like, well, I think I cruised, I cruised into the office at I think midday. And I remember the boss looking at me and was like, where have you been? Like down a cliff face, man. I was saving somebody, man. I mean, yeah. That, right. that, that was, that was an incredible, that was an incredible rescue actually. That was pretty, pretty decent. Um, no, we went on to being nominated for a bravery award for, for Centrum Guardians for that rescue. So actually. I, I actually have that up as well, yeah. um, which which is super cool because it actually recognized a list of people here. Um, yeah, there like everybody got listed. Um, so the volunteer rescue technicians from the Rescue Tech High Rescue Unit, ER twenty four, and firefighters from Pine Town, Gil Gilly and Gillets. Gillets, got yeah. it. And uh Hammersdale Fire Station. That's yeah. a lot of people. That's awesome. So yeah. central. So we pulled Guardian. we pulled three different fire stations in to try and control the blaze while we were working. Um yeah. So and, and then yeah, then it was ourselves as the specialized rescue unit, rescue tech. Um ER24 was the paramedic service that we that we pulled in. Um eventually SAP search and rescue arrived as well. And then obviously the South African National Defense Forces 15 Squadron. 
That's awesome. Now, what is the uh, Centrum Guardian? Like, it's you, so, you and I were talking a little bit about it, but yeah. So, so Centrum is a multivitamin company that does. Well, they they branded their vitamins as you know high energy for that boost, you know, yeah. the twenty five hour day thing, um, and they used to run this program called the Centrum Guardians, where they every year would give an award out, a Guardian Award to. Um, somebody or a group that did something out of the ordinary so there would be a bunch of nominations and you'd all go and then there would there would be this voting process and what have you and you'd get it so we we were the runner-up that year um we didn't win it but we were nominated in 2012 for bravery based on that firefighter rescue wow you know what uh, even if you nominated for something like that i mean you guys went way above and beyond so and with the amount of resources to go in and get the the one man down, and it's one of your own. So yeah. I mean, I'm all about it, man. Well done to you and everybody involved. Holy cow, that's insane. Dude tied himself to a damn tree so he didn't <laughs> fall in case he. Yeah, I love it. Smart. I mean, yeah, thank, thankfully he did that because I, I actually didn't even know. Hey. Jeez, oh man. All right, I'm I'm gonna go to the next one. All right, cool. now, there's no write up. There's no nothing. This is just something you and I talked about a little bit. Um, but you, this is a memorable case, memorable case for you. And this is this memorable rescue is a has to do with a 16 year old. So what yeah. was that all about? Unfortunately, a really really sad case. Um, and and I think that's why it's so memorable. Um, because it really just sort of struck a chord. Um, and and these kind of cases. They have a habit of happening on a weekend. Um, and so you're like, you know, it's your downtime and what have you. And being a volunteer, you don't really have downtime. You, you know, it's, you, you don't know, there's no shift stuff. It's when, when, when it goes down, it goes down and you just get in your car and sort it out. Um, so my wife was away that weekend and I was at home by myself looking after the dogs and I decided, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take the dogs out for a walk. So I left my phone at home, went out for a walk, came back, and there was just like 27 missed calls and like 70 messages. And I was like, what the stuff's going on now? Wow. So I like roll, I quickly scrolled through the messages and I was like, okay, I see what's happened. So I phoned, I phoned the guy, I phoned Dan, who, who happened to be in charge that day. Phoned him up and I'm like, hey, Dan, what's happening? Um, so he's like, listen, this is what we've got. We've got... Uh, a young girl she's about 16 she has jumped off the cliff um and so she's a, she's attempted suicide um and um Damn. i was like okay so what's the situation and he's like well they they've declared her deceased so i was like okay so to, look i'm gonna be straight up with you I, i'm not up for dead bodies today so you guys have got it under control um a deceased person can take you can take as long as you like it, it's there, there's no urgency in the case um just you know continue and if you're really desperate for hands give me a shot he's like okay cool hundreds puts the phone down i go to the kitchen i'm like i'm like i need some food i open the fridge my phone rings again, and i'm like oh it's dan I'm like okay so he's probably just you know wants me to go get in the hand pick it up and he's like listen bud he's she's actually alive so I'm like, Holy all right. Shit. So he's like, so get in your car and come. I'm like, right. Dude, you I'm just on my gave way. me chills, man. 
Like literally, yeah, so, I just got chills all over. So I was like, okay, I'm on my way. I'm like, well, my like number one rule is like, you don't go to these things hungry because. So I'm like, no, like I need some, I need food. It's like open the fridge. And I'm like, fuck, okay, well a banana is gonna have to do, and and I look at the dogs and I'm like, sorry girls, your supper's gonna be late, but I'll be back. I close the door. I get get in the car. I grab my gear because my gear wasn't in the car. So grab all my gear out the garage, throw in the car, like race up the hill. Um, so it was in the Winston Park area, which Gillett's actually same sort of area as the firefighter, but on the other side of the, the cliff face sort of runs around in a sort of a U shape. So it was on the opposite side to where the firefighter had fallen. Um, and I, I arrive on scene and not knowing all the ins and outs, like I, I'm quite a, I'm quite a sort of jovial character. I like to, um, you know, break the stress up with a little bit of humor because um, these, these situations get to and yes yeah, some, sometimes the humor is really dark so <laughs> I like I've got to be I've got to be careful um, oh, and and I'm like, I I'm, know, like I know. So I'm putting my gear on and I'm and I'm walking down the, the grass through the there's a couple of vehicles down the grass where they've set up because there's no anchor points there so they move vehicles down as far as they can go to set up all the lines and I'm walking through the vehicles I'm busy putting my helmet on and I like sort of come come around the front of one of the vehicles, and one of the guys looks up at me. He's like, "Where have you been?" I was like, "Bro, I was at home watching freaking YouTube. What the hell's wrong with you guys?" <laughs> and um, and like, so there was there was this young girl to my right, so she packs up laughing, and I'm like, um, "I didn't know that that was she was the sister of this girl that jumped." And afterwards, afterwards, she came to me and she was like, "I have to thank you." for that light-hearted break in humor. She was like, it just dropped the entire situation from the stress levels we were feeling at that time. She was like, that was just perfectly timed humor. I was like, yo, because normally that shit doesn't go down well. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, that, that, that was one of the memorable aspects of it. Um, and then, so we get, we get into this, get into working now because now we're like right no now this is time critical she's still alive she has a very bad compound break of her leg so there's a bone extru uh, protruding um she she's quite she's in a pretty bad way and we need to get her up this cliff face as fast as possible um it was what we were looking at 25 meters to 30 meters there so where we like 70 feet or so. Um, yeah. 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 So we, we get the, we get the guys to quickly set up a, a hauling system. Um, we've got a paramedic down there. We've got one of our other rescue technicians is also a paramedic down there. They're working on her. They battling to establish an IV line. Um, they, they eventually get that right. They sort of get some sort of stability in the patient. Um, we get her up the top of the cliff face. When we get to the top of the cliff face, the guys are like, listen, we need to get her shoes off because there's blood somewhere and we just don't know where it's coming from. And we need to get her shoes off when we can't get them off. So her foot was really badly swollen and couldn't get the yeah. shoe off. So I've got, I've got a, um, a specific rescue knife that's got a, it's, got, it's a hooked blade, it's blunt. It's actually designed for cutting belts off so you can oh, push it against you. It's yeah. like a seatbelt cutter, yeah. But so, yeah. so it's one. It's it's. I've 
it's a it's a Victorinox rescue tool. So it's got a, this belt cutter in it and, and another knife on it. So I took the belt cutter and I hooked it underneath her laces and I sort of ran it up and popped the shoe and then ran it along the inside of her foot and then down the back. So I could kind of split the shoe like that. Yeah. And as I did that. Like a clam, it, just open it up like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, okay. And as, as I did that, it just like drained blood, like the stream of blood just and that was when they discovered the compound break in her ankle and it had just been bleeding down into her shoe. Oh and it was like, uh, so then I, there was this furious amount of working right there. And then they were like, right, well, now they've got to get her to the hospital. So they got her into, it's the, the number one trauma facility um, in Durban called Albert Latuli Hospital, which is actually, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, university hospital it's government hospital university based and it's got they've got very um well-equipped trauma doctors and trauma center um and that's kind of like if you're in a really bad way you want to go there um out of all strangely enough because generally in, in most cases you want to go to a private hospital facility in south africa we get her in there um and she passes away overnight unfortunately um Damn. just they operated on her three or four times. Um, she just had some really bad internal hemorrhaging um, and they just, they just couldn't stop it. And she unfortunately passes away. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's a, a memorable one for me because number one, young girl. Um, and just like, I look at it, I'm just like, you, uh, I don't know. I just, I just can't fathom it. Right. So I later learned from her sister, I, I get talking to her sister um, a bit later because she contacts us to thank us for what we did and all the rest. I get talking to her. This young girl was deaf. So she was deaf from birth. She had struggled with um, depression in her teens. And compounded to that was the inability to express herself being deaf. And mm. this just obviously got to a point in her life and she um yeah she had decided that that was enough and you know it's it's always horrible to lose a patient and it's it's even worse when you lose a young patient it's like it's yeah and you you just you just like you know you fight for the you fight for the positive outcome and when you don't get it some of the times it really really takes takes its toll yeah. um so for me yeah, it's always that's a that's a certainly memorable case um and uh, yeah and, and I, I had a bit of a um like I, I i drew a bit of an issue with the case as well um and and not to get too far into it i later i, I later discovered that the the initial declaration of the patient being deceased was not carried out in person it was carried out via a drone they sent a drone down there did a drone surveillance of the scene flew it over her said oh she's dead and that's oh. and they then one of the medics went okay i'm gonna go down there and check and he discovered that she actually had a pulse and i i um I, I drew big issue with this. Um, and unfortunately, being a volunteer, 
and a voluntary organization, you don't have as much clout in in yeah. in the in the full EMS process um, as one of the other organizations. So yeah, so and I think that's right also because I, I I held a lot of anger towards that case for for many years based on that, um, and I felt that had the standard processes been followed, maybe the outcome would have been different. Probably not, considering the amount of injuries. But you you always want to give you always want to give your patient um, either the, the biggest fighting chance that they have. And I, I, don't know, I, just, I just felt that some of that chance had been unfairly revoked. So, Man, yeah. That, that's tough. Yeah, so that's, that was that one. It's a horrible one. It's slaving on again, I think about it. But yeah, that was about, what, eight years ago, I think. Wow. Dang, man. You know what? Uh, good for you for picking up the phone again and giving it everything you got. I'm sorry for the outcome. So. You can't win them all, eh? No, that is a true statement. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, man. Well, all right. I'll tell you what. Let's go on to the next one because now uh, there's a point. It sent me. Um, I, I this is really more a bunch of pictures and stuff out of this, but you had four rescues in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! Let's um. How, how do you say shit show in a nice way? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I listen. I've been I've been in an ambulance, and you know, like you, I've gotten called out multiple times a day i get that but to do literally like four rescues in three hours it wow. was just compounding on top of itself um yeah that that one yeah that that, that, that was an interesting day again a weekend again of course because i mean why not yep. why um, not <laughs> um let's let's give you some backstory to that one actually so, yeah 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 <laughs> During during the whole COVID, whatever you want to call it, weirdities. That's pretty good. I like that one. <laughs> um, they did they did some strange things in South Africa where they closed public areas, parks, nature reserves, parking trails, etc. Um, places where you were like, well, you're in the open and you're away from people. You know what's the difference? Anyway. As a beard mate, it was it was one of the strange things. And with the confinement and and the restrictions in place, you got cabin feverish people, especially in South Africa, where you've got really good weather. People like being outdoors. Um, now we're not allowed to be outdoors. Come this incident, where they had opened the reserves about two weeks earlier, and this happened to be a really good weekend of good weather and everybody was like we're going hiking whether we've been hiking or not in the past (laughs) we're going hiking everybody had to get outside everybody everybody was out was outside yeah and cramped up for too long and it's time to get outside i get that oh my god i get that and um so what started out as a group of of hikers there was about eight of them Gone, gone on this hike down to the waterfall in Kloof Gorge, which is a which is a nice hike and it's a great scenic thing. It's a it's a it's a cliff it's a ridge line trail that then zigzags down down the cliff face, um, 
about 130 meters in elevation. Um, and then you follow the river back upstream, you do a one crossing and you come up underneath this really big waterfall. And there's a nice big pool there and it's quite a nice spot for picnic and some people swim in the river. Cool, awesome spot. So the, these eight decide that they're gonna go there. They've got limited hiking knowledge. They limited fitness. They go to the spot. And in the midst of their picnic, one of them walks underneath the bottom of the waterfall. You can do it. it there's a, like a bit of a ledge, but that's, it's wet. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd totally be underneath a, a waterfall. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying. But it's wet, slick rock. So you've yeah. got to be careful. She slips, falls, and goes over the edge into the waterfall, into the pond. They of course she friends, does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> friends managed to recover her from the water up to the side. Um, she's now, she's injured her back, injured her neck. And one of the friends, the fitter of them, decides that he's going to run back because there's no cell phone signal down there. It's, it's, this, it's this, this really tight crevice. Um, he's going to go back up till he finds cell phone signal and raise the alarm because obviously we need to get it out. And along the way, there's these markers, trail markers. On the trail markers has our phone number. Um, and so and it just says there, in an emergency, emergency, call this number and you know, tell us which marker you're at. So him and then one other decides they're going to go with him just in case because there's a little bit of panic. So they go up the trail. Gets to where the cell phone signal exists. Give us a call. We're like, okay, cool, no problem. He says, no, he'll meet us at the car park and guide us back in. Like, okay, well, we don't have to. We know the routes, but cool. Unbeknown to us, leaves the other person to go back by themselves. In the midst of this other person going back, they slip and fall and injure their ankle, which we only discover when we're going to the primary case. They come across the second injured person. And it becomes a okay. So the second injured person is a is a is a very quick extraction. Let's get them out quickly, and then we'll continue with the primary case. So they extract the first person. That's at the point where I got involved because actually I wasn't there. Well, I was on my way there. I can't remember. I arrived at the car in, in the car park because I live I live actually sort of the furthest away from that area than everybody else. I arrive in the car park. Um, they're busy loading this patient in the ambulance. I'm like, oh, cool, you guys are done. They're like, no, 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 second patient. I'm like, oh, hang on, what? And I'm standing in the car park now, catching up. When they like, when this hiker comes past and this guy, this goes, oh, by the way, there's somebody who slipped and fallen on the trail down there. We're like, yeah, no, no, cool. They're in the ambulance. He's like, okay, awesome. We assumed here that same person, right? We're now working with the primary case. Second set of hikers come through and goes, oh, do you guys know about the person with the ankle injury down the trail? Then I'm like, there's a 45 minute delay here between these two hiking parties that have come past. This is not one and the same person. Oh my God. So I'm like, uh, okay, get on the radio. I'm like, guys, I think we have a third case. They're like, no, impossible. I'm like, 
Well, we've had the second hiking party come past and ask us if we are aware of, a, of an ankle injury on the yellow route. I know we took the one ankle injury off earlier, but it's impossible that this second crowd has not exited the, the reserve you know, in, in this time frame. It just doesn't make sense. So they're like, okay, they're like, okay, well, we need to try and investigate this. So we're like, we're really down on resources. Now, what are we going to do? So we're like, well, we're not sure if this case actually exists, but we need to, we need to kind of pull, pull people off the, off the primary case to go and do this. So we established that the guys at the primary case, they, they've they settled, they've got it all sorted out. We're like getting a helicopter in <clears throat> to extract this patient because there's no way we're going to climb out this gorge with this patient. Um, and at that time, we're like, okay, well, we're going to send somebody to go and find the third case. So two, two guys go off to go and find the third case while we establish the, the scenario for the helicopter to come in. Now, the, at the helicopter at that time, it's a, an air ambulance. It's a, it was a Bell 407. Um, luckily, it was the 407. So it's a smaller machine, smaller rotor disc. Um, yeah. And we believed we could get it into the bottom of the, of the, the gully. Got the pilot came over the top and he said, Yeah, no, he believes he can get into the gully if they clear some trees. So we're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's get some chainsaws out. So nice. whip, out some, <clears throat> whip out some chainsaws, make a quick um, you know, rappel line down the face of the waterfall, send some some chainsaws down. We hear the screaming of chainsaws for about 20 odd minutes while they cut trees back and make a make an area for this helicopter to come in. Um now, while this is happening, I've moved slightly down the path a bit so that I can get a better view down into the gully that way, and I can look down to the bottom. And you can see some of the hiking trail in the bottom and what have you. And I'm standing there, and another hiking party comes past, and they're like, um, there's some people shouting for help somewhere. We don't know where, but we could hear them on our way up. I'm like, well, now nah, you've got to be shitting me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, please tell me this is case number three with the ankle injury still, which our guys have now found. And they are now they are established that they just need to brace the ankle and help this person walk out. No, no big deal. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like, yeah, sure, we're onto it. Don't worry about it. Um, no problem. They're like, okay, awesome, as long as you know. And they leave. And I don't know. 10 minutes goes by and another party come out. They're like, oh, there's some people shouting for help. We're like, all right. When, I was like, okay, when did you hear this? They're like, no, about five, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> like, okay, which trail did you come up? So like, no, we came up on the green route and we were, when we joined the yellow and I was like, oh shit, the green route's the one that goes into the bottom. I'm like, okay. So like, all right, let me walk along a little bit further. So I walk along to this this sort of jutting rock, that rock that sort of juts out and hangs over the edge and you can look down into the bottom. And I'm, I'm standing on this rock and looking up the valley, looking down the valley. And as the wind sort of dies, I hear this shout for help. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it's not happening. So I get on the radio and I'm like, guys, there's some people shouting for help. I can hear them. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. 
like on top of the fact that two other people have come past and told me the same story, we have a fourth case. They're like, no, we don't have resources for a fourth case. I'm like, I know this. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what to do. Where do we start? So I'm like, okay, well, let me try and establish where the shouting is coming from. So you stand there. Out the corner of my eye, I catch a reflection down in the river. And it happened to be the person's spectacles catching the sunlight. And they were in the river. They'd lost. They'd gone off the trail and they'd gone down the river. And they were lost in this river. So I could see them from the top. And I was like, okay, guys, I found the, sus the, the, the subject. It's, it's a lost person scenario. It doesn't look like they're injured. They're walking around, but they are not on the trail. I know that for a fact. I'm like, okay, so what's the scenario? So it's like, well, the scenario is I need to take somebody and we need to go and find this person before they get proper lost because we've got about an hour and a bit worth of daylight left. And if we don't get down there, we're going to have a proper case on our hands. They're like, well, we don't really have resources. You know, like, I mean, we need you guys at the top there. And it's like, I'm sure they can handle, like, if two of us leave here, I'm sure that the remaining three guys can cope with what's going on up here because. All they're doing really is, you know, sending you guys equipment and retrieving the equipment. There's nothing more complex than that. I'm sure they've got it under control. They're like, okay, cool. Well, get going then. Who are you taking? So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to take one of the girls, Ocean, that's her nickname. Um, is I'm like, I'm going to take her because she's a trail runner. She's really fit. And this is going to be some arduous stuff. So myself and her are going to get going and we're going to go and find this person. She's also new. So I was like, this is great for her is from an experience point of view. Um, uh, so I get hold of her and I'm like, right, listen, come with me, stand here. Can you see the subject? I'm like, that's where we got to go. We've got to get to them and get them out before the sun sets. And she looks at me and she's like, are you joking? I'm like, no, let's go. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> so we start, we go. In this interim, the heli pilot's done two more passes and he's now getting on his approach in. This guy's approach into the into the gorge is something out of a movie, man. It's like, I don't know, five or six meters clearance on each side of the rotor coming in, coming into the bottom. Then he's got to pirouette that thing around and push the tail backwards towards the waterfall so that it's in the clear. They do a hot load. Um, so, I mean, I'm assuming most people listening to this know what a hot load is. Don't shut the machine yeah. down. It's yeah. rotors are running, power on. But it's more than a hot load because he can't put his skids down. So it's a hovering hot load. One skid is on the, on the, on the bank of the river. The other skid is actually in the water. Um, and they open the doors. Now, Bell 407 doors don't slide. They fold. So yeah. they don't work so great when the rotors are spinning, especially if you're not on the deck and you've got some pitch in there and now there's some downdraft, those doors then become, you know, they sails. They just want to catch the air and flick all over the place. So now there's a, there's one of our guys like uh, waist deep yeah, in water, like holding the doors back yeah, while yeah. they load the patient into this machine <laughs> all the time. Like we're walking, climbing down the mountain and I can, all I can see is the top of the rotor disc through the trees. So that's like a red and white kick rotor yeah. disc. And it's just like this, this yeah. disc through the trees. Sick. Um, and then, it. like, yeah, we get out to the bottom eventually. Uh, and 
as we get out to the bottom, the the machine takes off and he like flies like directly over the top of us on his climb out. And we're like, okay, so that that case is done. Now the guys down the bottom, they don't know about this fourth case because they they went to a different radio channel. They've switched off paying attention to what else is going on. Um we eventually found these two subjects. There were two of them actually. One of them was walking around the in the um in the river last. The second one was sitting on the rock, dehydrated. Um and I always carry a camel back with me. Um, it's just like my gospel thing. I just don't go anywhere without water. Yeah. Um, so we give her a bit of water. We try and get her a little bit hydrated. Um, two, two elderly ladies, um, sort of mid to late 50s. So not, not very fit. They were out on a Sunday stroll. Didn't have the best equipment. Didn't have the best shoes. Um, had to run out of nutrition and liquids hours ago um they were well off the trail so now we have to get them back on the trail um so got them a bit hydrated and then now we we entering barlight so we're running on a lot and this we got to get this this uh, get this wrapped up while we're busy getting these two ladies back to the trail the the group from the waterfall comes wandering down and they're like, oh, what are you guys doing down there? I'm like, well, this is case number four. They're like, case number what? I'm like, this, we're on the fourth case here right now. I've, we need to get these two ladies out. They were like, you guys, no. <laughs> we're wrecked, man. We, we, we don't have the energy to take like, any more people out of this place. We're like, well, we've got to get out. And I'm like, I was like, here's the deal. They're like, let's get out and go home before any more other people fall. <laughs> 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 And, and thankfully these these ladies were just they were just dehydrated so it, but it still took us another hour and a bit we, we got out well after sunset um got them out and we got we get them to the car park and then they realized that oh the case number one the one that got heli extracted has the car keys for their car <laughs> So oh got hospital with the cockies. I was just like, I'm sorry, ladies. This is no longer my problem. <laughs> like, I'm done with helping people right now. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, it was like a comedy of events. It was just like one after the next. I remember wow. when the guys were, when they were filling in the log sheet, they were like, well, you know, what timestamps do we put? I was like, I don't know. Just put them all around the same time. So. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Dude, that's a yeah. lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Dang, man. Yeah. Dude, I am I am digging these cases. <laughs> um, so let's go, let's go to another one because you had this one is a, a more of a single rescue, but uh, another news article that that you were you and your team, I should say, that were all in. And the article reads um pulled to safety. Man survives 60 meter plunge. A Durban man who is badly injured in a 60 meter plunge from a viewing point in Kloof Gorge was airlifted to Chief Albert Latuli. One more time. Albert Latuli. Albert Latuli. Got it. Yeah. Albert Latuli Hospital yesterday. Much to the relief of his family, bystanders, and contingent from five rescue units. Oh my gosh. 60 meters. Yeah. Jeez. 
it's like 120 uh let's see yeah what six three 180 feet yeah, yeah. that's a long way yeah so there's nothing short of long falls in cliff gorge um <laughs> That and what, what was the other one? Winston? The Winston, Winston Park. Yeah. Winston Park and Kloof Gorge. Yeah. Everybody's fallen 35 meters or more. Oh exactly. my God. That, that's, that's, um, that's, that's, uh, yeah. You've got, yeah, you've got, you, you've got limited chance of finding anything less, to be honest. <laughs> wow. All right. So what, what happened with this guy? Um, <laughs> So that viewing site uh, is notorious for people attempting to take their own lives. Uh, ah, it's actually not. Okay. It's actually not closed to the public um, be- uh, for multiple reasons. That being one of them, um, and that that viewing site actually looks back down to the waterfall from the previous case, um, and so it's it's this it's a sort of jetty art rock thing quite big actually um that you can like, walk, all the, walk all the way around very high tree tree line below but the trees are a good i'd say 15 to 20 meters tall so when you hit the canopy you're still going to bugger off another 15 meters through there oh my God. Um, um and yeah so we we used to joke about putting a sign up there that said, you know, if you wish to commit suicide, please call us. We'll tell you where to go because this place, does, you, you're not going to die here. <laughs> like, oh my God. That's hilarious and terrible at the same time. Exactly. Because we, <sighs> we, we had, we had so many people jump off that viewpoint that did not die. Um, and it's simply because they went through 20 meters of shrubbery before they hit the floor. Um, so there was just this like continual retardation of your fall. And so they just ended up with like serious injuries and puncture wounds and stuff, um, but never died. Um, so we're like, you know, there's oh, a better cliff. If you want to jump off and get like success, there's better cliffs and we can tell you where. Um, <laughs> so it's yeah. It's not funny. And it's, funny. it's not funny, but it's funny. I told you. It's, I, this is our dark humor. I'm okay exactly. with it. <laughs> I told you about that dark sense of humor that comes out every so often. Um, but now this was one of those cases where this this dude had jumped off off the viewing point and not not picked the right spot. Um, and yeah, was had a, had a couple of injuries. Some, if I remember correctly, had a head injury and. Both ankles were broken and ribs and something else. Punctured lung, I think. I can't remember. Um, and yeah, we then... And this happened, this was actually a weekday, funny enough. One of the very few weekday cases. Yeah, well, yeah. actually, I lie. All suicide attempts were weekdays. Um, oh, and interesting. Yeah, it, it was, it's, it's sort of a strange... Um, um, except for the young girl, she was on a weekend. But most adult cases were weekdays, um, and I, I don't know if it was just sort of some underlying stressor that would just push them over the edge or something. I don't know. But it was it was one of those strange 
um, parallels that you could draw between all cases. If you went back into the data and had a look at your call outs, you'd be like, oh yeah, there's, there's a common thread. Um, <laughs> so th this one was a Tuesday, I, I believe it was a Tuesday evening when we, we got the call. Um, and and this, this just happened to be um, some, some teenagers that had gone down to the viewing site in the afternoon and heard somebody shouting for help. And we're like, like for caller and we we're like, oh, there's somebody down here. Uh, got there. There was a car parked there. And that's when we were like, oh shit, one of these. Um, get the get the ball rolling and yeah, get him up. And this is another case of a mechanical advantage: 60 meter vertical lift on a rope line. Um, yeah, getting getting the patient up over the edge and the edge transitions suck in the best of days. Um, and yeah. That's that was one of that was a that was a cool case in, in some aspects. Quite quite a few different organizations involved. Um, yeah, but it actually talks about it a little bit uh, yeah. in the article because they they mentioned um, five. Oh yeah, no, it says it right there at the end there. The five rescue units. Yeah, so they would have been fire department, uh, rescue tech. Uh, SAP search and rescue, so the police search and rescue unit, um, and one of the private ambulance services, probably Netcare, and I can't remember who the fifth one was. Jeez, man, you guys throw some resources at that stuff. That that's amazing. Um, yeah, like I, 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 I uh, my hats off to all the agencies that put forth all the effort that they possibly can, because the amount of time and and money that goes into something like that just it's a lot. It's a lot. So yeah, well done. Well done. So I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's move on to a little feel good. All right. Cool. This is, this is for my lovely wife, uh, as well, <laughs> because she loves animals and you have two, two in particular ones that made, uh, kind of a headline news for saving a dog. And both of them are two different dogs, but this one right here, Meet the dog saviors for five days. Residents living near Kloof Gorge heard frantic yelps of a dog, but it wasn't until the local gardener tracked down the source of the noise that the mystery was solved. And this is uh, you actually in the picture uh, with the dog of this dog just yelping away. So for five days, the dog's down at the bottom of a gorge. What the heck? So and actually, a little bit more complicated than just at the bottom of a gorge. Um, oh, oh, that's it, always it was, fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, so there's these two Jack Russells. And oh, two of Karen, them? Not just yeah, one? Yeah. No, no, oh, they, end up being two. they end up being two of them. <laughs> so um, what's, what, uh, what, apparently they, they were quite notorious for getting out. Um, and they, they would get out of the yard and they would cruise around. And they'd always come back. Um, and they just didn't come back. Uh, and they had gone exploring into into the nature reserve. And what they what had happened is there's a, there's an area along one of the paths that's full of sinkholes, um, and they had fallen through a sinkhole. Both dogs had gone gone through a sinkhole into a cavern, uh, and the cavern was about seventy meters deep by about. 200 and so meters long um wow. but it was a staggered it was a staggered sort of drop in so they had 
uh, we assume had fallen in on the shallower side and gone down, but then couldn't come back up. So the, 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 the shortfall was about nine meters still. Um, and the only way we could get into this cavern was the biggest sinkhole we could find to access was on was in the about a 40 meter drop in. Um, and yeah, so they 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 sort of triangulated the noise of the dogs from across the valley and sort of figured out that they were, they were coming from this this corner and the in the corner was this big crevice and a couple of guys, local more well, local rock climbers on the team. When we sat down and we were like, well, this is it. They were like, they're in there. They have to be in there. That's that's the only logical place. Let's go, let's just go and have a look. So we got all our gear, bit of a walk. We we could hear them as well echoing around and while we were walking. And we got over the top where the sinkholes were. And uh, we're like, no, you can hear them in the sinkhole. So they they they're definitely in the sinkholes. Set up a system to go over the drop down into the sinkhole. Um, yeah. Dropped, uh, dropped one person in there. Um, took a took a rope bag actually. We unpacked a rope, took a rope bag, stuffed the dogs in the rope bag, has closed it so that they couldn't couldn't escape. And then hauled them back out through this hole that was maybe the size of a sort of a, a sewer manhole. Oh um, wow, tight, small. Yeah, no, small, but and rocky. So I mean, it was it wasn't like a smooth column either. It was staggered, so it's sort of come out like that. Um, like a little zigzag, like yeah, uh, yeah, a little contortionist action. <laughs> yeah, and that that took us a good. We then was sort of went into the darkness. Um, we got there late afternoon and I think got out there about half six at night and just trying to get dark. It took about oh about an hour and a half, two hours to to pull that one off. Wow, um, dang, yeah. freaking dogs, love dogs, yeah, freaking dogs. My wife not, is super not... happy right now that you went out of your way to save the two Jack Russells. Well done. Yeah. Well, then you had another one. This is another one. Puppy rescued in eight-hour operation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's probably one all. of a, that's that's probably one of about five or six that we've done, huh? That's taken long like that. Um so it was quite common for for dogs, especially puppies to get into stormwater drains in South Africa. They, they, okay. Third world country, stormwater crates are missing, um, open drain ends, things like that. And yeah, yeah. so we've done, a, we've done a couple. That one obviously, obviously made them into the newspaper. That was a puppy in a stormwater drain. Um, and yeah, it took us eight hours to, to get it out. Um, that, that one in was the, actually like in the storm drain, like yeah, stuck yeah. in the storm drain. Stuck in, so the storm drain was full of, of debris, and that was the, actually the issue. Is this dog was in inside the debris, that the pipe wasn't big enough for any one person to go down. Um, to so to try and get it back out was was this challenge. And eventually, what we did was we took a drain rod, like one of those drain clearing rods, okay. um, put a put a really small uh, line on it and a carabiner and pushed it down until we got to the, to the mess, whatever the debris and everything, and just kept pushing until it got through that debris. It just kept adding rods until it came out another drain down, down the, um, down the road. We then took 
as many rope bags as we could find, tied them together in a ball on a big line, pulled the big line back through there, and then just pulled this plug down the drain until oh. it just collected everything. And we just pulled this plug. And, and we just pulled a plug of rubbish, dog, the whole lot, out to another storm on the drain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that, that was, that was a, um, how, how do we say that? That was an eco-friendly rescue. There's others where we've just taken a JCB and just dug the whole road up until we got to the stormwater drain, <laughs> broke oh the my. pipe open. <laughs> oh and then, my gosh. Yeah. That's we, crazy. We, we dug up somebody's garden at 2 a.m., like literally the sw like a swimming pool size to get to, oh. a, a, to, get to, to open up a storm pipe to get a, a dog out. Wow. Man, you guys go <laughs> like way above and beyond. That's amazing. So, it's, it's actually interesting how we got onto that. Um, like obviously, we always did the, the, the technical rope rescue. And, um, and it's a nonprofit organization. Uh, voluntary funding is always an issue. Um, and we were sitting around discussing stuff. And I was like, hey, guys, why don't we just you know, branch out a bit? and offer our services to the SBCA or whatever in helping them rescue animals. People love that. You know, it's, it'll yeah. hit the newspapers. It will get some exposure. It'll help yep. the funding. Oh, heck yeah. So absolutely. Like, back and forth a bit. And then eventually we, we, that's what we ended up doing. And yeah, we, we were well, well known for it. I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, that's, that's how I got coined the, that's, that's my dog how I got, yeah <laughs> dog because neck. i was like because i got i got uh, yeah i was Ugh. like yeah you like yeah you're the one who wanted to rescue dogs <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, you yeah. know what it made two articles which helps you well, it actually made it a lot more than two articles i made it about oh, beautiful. i think it was about 10 or so i just couldn't find them all um, <laughs> i mean yeah we've done dogs off the side of cliffs we've done dogs in stormwater drains we've done dogs in rivers done uh yeah Pick My it, wife is so excited it. right now. I'm not going to lie to you. She's like, oh, this is amazing. She, you might be your new favorite. I, I'm, I'm throwing that out there. Sorry, everybody. I mean, <laughs> man, that's awesome. Good for you guys. That's killer. Yeah. Um, how, well, how do people call you about a dog? Is it just like a hey, same, a dog is same stuck? sort of story? Is it... That phone our ops number and be like, hey, listen, we've got a, a dog that's stuck you know can you help and then we'd get a whole lot of information with like okay so what's the deal because if it's also we end up we end up refining the criteria a bit and and saying it okay we will only go out if the spca inspectors are called so you as the complainant need to make contact with the spca tell them you've spoken to us get them to contact us and tell them that they are going and we'll meet them there we will not okay. do. We will not go out. It, yeah, it got, got a bit. Uh, it was. It was mostly just to just you know appease everybody and and then. Yeah, it was, uh, and some sort of legality stuff that you know the dog had to the animals need to be checked out and made sure and whatever. So, yeah, it would it would almost go down exactly the same call out route as a normal conventional rescue. Um, just it would just be generally a lesser priority on on the priority listing um Got so it. a dog an animal rescue would come through and it wouldn't be like chop everything and go it'd be like okay guys let's coordinate 
uh, let's go after work. Who's who's free to go at 5 p.m.? Let's go and yeah. look it out, check it out. And we would often, we'd get there, we'd inspect and we'd be like, okay, listen, this is not worth risking. It's during darkness. Let's come back tomorrow morning early before work. Let's crack it and move on. Um, yeah. yeah, so they, they were handled differently. Um, but if, and, and uh, even so, the, if it was a life critical scenario, we would we'd be like, just let's just push on. Let's just, just yeah. we'll do it. Um, yeah, so. Other than that, dogs barking. They're okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. be there so, to get them soon. Yeah, so that, yeah, that was a bit of a criteria. I was like, yeah, good. Yeah, I like that. Nice. All right, man. I'm gonna bring it back to people, and cool. well, sort of. We're gonna go kind of. I've got three more that I want to hear about, and okay. The the first one is um. Let me get to it real quick. Is you had to do a body recovery uh in Winston Park, and, and there's a news article on this one, yeah. which is. Uh, body of a man found at the base of a cliff at Winston Park. Now you mentioned earlier, like you get a lot of jumpers and whatnot. Is this one of them that's like this? No, this oh. this one didn't seem to be a jumper. This seemed to be an accident. Um, this seemed to be sort of a series of unfortunate events. Um, I actually don't even know what the outcome was because that became a, a, a police investigation. Um, um, so. At, at the time, I, I never followed up on it to see what what the deal was. But it was it was a youngster who'd been out partying with some friends, and um, they'd been out all night. And it was quite common to go to these view sites. Um, so it's it's a view site that overlooks a, a large portion of Durban. Um, and yeah, somewhere something transpired. Um, his his friends and and there's there is CCTV footage to corroborate their story. They left him at the site. He wanted to catch an Uber home by himself, so they were like, "Okay, cool." He lived not far away, and so they left. And something something happened in between, um, and uh. he he was missing, um, and he was yeah yeah found at the bottom of the cliff a couple of days later by one of our guys. Um, so Damn. yeah, we we don't don't know too much of the of the ins and outs of this the circumstances, but it most definitely did seem like just a series of unfortunate events that that resulted in that. Damn! So you guys just ended up hiking down or or rappelling down? Um, yeah, so yeah, it ended up quite a bit of um, a, um, a search, um, and there there's a there's Winston Park's got sort of a double tiered cliff. And okay. the, the second band hadn't been searched. Um, so we abseiled down. I wasn't directly involved in the actual on-ground um, searching at that point. I, I, did a lot of, I just did a lot of coordination side of things. Um, I just had a, a new baby. So we, I was restricting my, my out-of-the-house action. So I was just behind a computer and a map. Smart man. <laughs> yeah, doing doing that sort of stuff. So I had the other guys there, and I was like saying, hey, "Have you guys looked in that spot? Have you checked here?" Like, and I think it was on day two in the morning. I'd been chatting to other guys, and I was like, "Have you looked down there?" And he was like, "No, not yet." I was like, "Just go down there." He's like, "Yeah, but it's so far away from the from the top cliff." I was like, "Yeah, but dude, 
take a ball. Take, take, take a rugby ball. It's not round. It's like oblong. You know? It's like a football. And pass it off there and see where it goes. I guarantee you it's going to go off that second edge. So if somebody falls and they ragdoll, I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going off that second edge. And he was like, okay, I'll humor you. And then a bit later, he was like, yeah, buddy, you're right. That's where we found him. I was like, wow. yeah, haven't been doing this for 14 years for fun, you know? <laughs> there is a little bit of experience in that one. Yeah, yeah, you learn the tricks. I mean, I, I, we, we had drones out searching, and drones are great pieces of technology, but they're not that great at, at searching for missing people unless they've got thermals on them. And when it becomes a, when it becomes a, a body situation, thermals don't do anything. Infrared doesn't do anything. There's no heat. Right. You know, you, you need the heat in order to differentiate um, the objects. You can take a normal raw camera, fly up and down as much as you like. The operator is the one looking at the screen and it's yeah. just grass and something in the grass. And it's, uh, I'm not a big fan of drones, uh, to be honest. Um, no. no, I get it. They're, I, they're great. They're a great piece of equipment. Yeah, they're, they're great. Not, they're, they're not fail-proof. No, they're not foolproof. I and I believe that a helicopter in a search pattern is more effective than a drone because you've got the human aspect, you know, looking, and your eyes pick up something better in in raw detail than when they do on a screen. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I actually had a helicopter go out one day. I knew one of the guys that lived in the area and I said to him, look, listen, can you get your chopper out and just do some circuits overhead? He didn't see anything. Um, and then, yeah, so then eventually I was like, well, get out there on foot, guys, walk the ground. You'll, you'll come across something. If it's there, it's there. So, yeah. I, that's, that's the way to do it. I mean, yeah. You, you exhaust all your options until you're like either a you don't find them or b you find them so yeah exactly you know all right i get two more because it's cool. fun Let's and see. i'm enjoying this <laughs> so you this one is a is a bit of an interesting one um this news article says rescue groups work together to save winston park cliff fall man various rescue paramedic services working together as well as a community group Quick action in alerting rescuers helped to save a man who had fallen off the cliff while gardening on Thursday afternoon. But I don't know if I really want to call it gardening because it's it's actually uh let's see what what he he was out running a chainsaw. <laughs> so <laughs> that's gardening in South Africa. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently, it's, it's not the gardening that I'm used to hearing and yeah, talking no. about. But <laughs> so. so gardening is a very broad term in south africa it's doing anything to do with foliage um oh, that's great yeah yeah so so this this dude had um been been allocated the task um of hearing out some shrubbery and, and some bush from the fence line of of this property um towards the cliff face and these, these properties always like to say they're all along this line this cliff and he he was cutting a couple of trees down. Um, I don't really know what happened, but somewhere in the midst of this whole lot, cut a tree. The tree said, "Well, 
if I'm going, you're coming with. And uh, <laughs> oh my god, took, took this dude down the cliff, base. Um, and yeah, he was pinned under the tree at the bottom. So we actually oh. had to cut the tree up some more. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, that was well, that was quite interesting. That one, that was like a I rock up on the scene and I'm like. I remember standing there going, like, how do you fall down here? I was like, well, this is the story. I was like, oh, geez. Like, now I've heard another one. <laughs> the tree took me with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, the, 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 the interesting thing was it took him and the chainsaw with him. And it, he is so lucky that that chainsaw didn't chow him. It, oh, like, yeah. It some, somehow, yeah. I don't know if the chainsaw managed to stall or what happened, but it, even if you land on a on a stall chainsaw, those that those teeth are quite uh, quite something. So he's yeah, he had no injuries from that. Just had injuries no. from the fall, and and no, he just had injuries from the fall and the and and the tree um sort of helping helping the process. So, oh my god! <laughs> so you went down, you cut the tree up, throw him in a little yeah, bit, so we, got a rope section him to get him out. Or like we actually ropes. had a we had a duplicate rope um, sec, uh, system in that case because it was actually a double tier pull. So oh, we wow. had to nice. we had to move up one phase of the cliff and then and then another section. So we had we had set up a, a small system on some trees lower down to get them to the first edge ledge section and then onto the big system for the rest of the hall. We didn't actually even cut the tree up completely. We just sort of cut it away, jacked it, moved it a bit extracted the dude from underneath the tree um yeah um yeah it's like like guys are like aren't you rope rescue like yeah vehicles swift water we cut a few trees down here and there like <laughs> oh my gosh i love it yeah. you know what actually we're gonna add one more into that because i'm gonna get into your next one right now which is also and my last one at that Ready? This news article right here uh, is actually a video, but it says man hijacked and thrown off of Kloof Gorge Cliff. What? Man, you guys have some crazy shit that goes down out in South Africa. What the hell? So, yeah, we 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 have the we have a really great crime statistic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's actually also one of the reasons I moved to the UK. But um, <laughs> it's yeah, uh, it's uh, out of hand in, in some aspects. And vehicle hijackings are a commonplace. And no, I've they, heard that actually. And they 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 violent hijackings as well. So you'll be held at gunpoint, and you'll be lucky to get away without being shot at. At least um, it's so. The, what That's happened terrible. in this case? That is yeah. totally terrible, by the way. Uh, it's 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 not great at all, and 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 it was starting to it was starting to become a a not an not a if but a when situation because it was just becoming quite quite frequent, um, and so yeah, but that's that's a whole nother story. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> this this chap was an Uber driver, um, and he got got hijacked for his vehicle um and he so let's try and think about this how to explain this in a, in a good way 
a lot of vehicles in South Africa have vehicle tracking units in them okay. because of their, their theft thing. So as part of your insurance, they want you to have vehicle tracking units. Now, um, you can activate your vehicle tracking units at any time um, or it's activated under certain conditions automatically, uh, like if it's been in an accident or, or et cetera. Um, so the change in modus operandi with hijackers were often to take you as a driver with them and then they would dump you somewhere once they had found the tracking unit inside your vehicle. So, so you oh. couldn't activate it. So they would strip the vehicle while they're driving around because they would generally hide them in a number of places uh, underneath the dashboard, in the hood lining. Um, uh, there's a, there, there were new, there was a sort of common places where they would put tracking units and vehicles. So once they found the tracking unit and they'd ripped it out, disabled it, they would then dump you somewhere and then continue with the vehicle. Um, the, these guys had determined that this driver or this owner of this vehicle and this Uber driver um, had seen too much of their faces. So they went, so they tossed him off the cliff. They tied him up and threw him off the cliff. They Obviously tied him up and would... threw him off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. He, so oh, he was cable tied, cable tied together and tossed off the cliff. Um, again, they picked the no dar view site. Um, and <laughs> this, this dude, yeah got chucked off there we kind of think at about 1 a.m in the morning um weren't really sure but around about 3 30 in the morning um a house across the across the, the gorge could hear screams um they they then phoned the local security company who came out corroborated that they could also hear these screams and the local security um, armed response guys, knowing the area, knowing everything else, were like, mm, this is a little suspect. They put it back through their control room. Their control room phoned us and said, listen, we believe by one of our armed response officers that there's a victim, well, there, there, there's a, a rescue scenario that needs to be investigated in this area they're not sure where but they believe it's here so we in that case we normally just send one person out as a scout please go and have a look see if you if it's you know real or somebody's just having us on one of the guys local was the closest person went out there and was like oh no i can hear this guy i've established um verbal communication with him he's down the cliff over here please like bring out some resources this and, and normally, and, and, and in that scenario, also being the area, we automatically assume it's a jumper. So phone the police, phone the fire department because it becomes a crime scene. As soon as it's, it's a suicide attempt, it's a, you know, it's a crime scene in the environment. Get there, we access this guy. He tells us he's been hijacked and thrown off the cliff. And this first time we like, rubbish, bro. Full story. Let's, let's get you out of here. And then, we saw so we can be like, oh, wait, wait, this, guy, this guy's like cable tied, but like properly cable tied. So we're like, okay, cut the cable ties off him. We get him out of the cliff. He's like, this is the story. This is my vehicle. This is what happened. This is where I was hijacked. We're like, okay, the story is this, this story is now, this is way too, 
you know, too real to be a made up story. So then it becomes a whole another another ball game. It is a crime scene, but different type of crime scene. We yeah, we verify that this guy was in fact hijacked and tossed off the edge of the cliff. He got away with minor injuries, luckily enough, but um Wow. Got lucky. Yeah, he 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 had he had the ride of his life, man. I think, yeah. I think we the eventually got him out of his life. So yeah, so he got he got hijacked around yeah. about eight in the eight PM in the evening. Okay. Tossed off tossed off a cliff at about one AM, found at about four AM, and then we got him out at around about six AM. So nearly twelve hours worth of oh, terrorizing ordeal. Sucks. I mean, that, yeah, I mean that that's something that's gonna gonna live with you for I mean that's 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 not gonna be a a great uh, traumatic experience to try and forget, I'm sure. No, but you guys pulling them out like save the day. Yeah. Holy cow, man, that's crazy. You guys have some crazy stuff that goes on in South Africa. It's we do. We do. We have some wild... I really love I love having you guys on because it, it's <laughs> the stories just don't it's uh, yeah. This is the stuff you see in like movies and TV shows. You're like, oh yeah, some new guy hijacked and they got thrown off a cliff. What? No, that doesn't happen. Oh yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Eh? And some some of the some of the times we're like we're sure that the criminals just watch movies and be like, oh, let's try that. Because it's oh, fucking weird, eh? It's like oh, strange. My. I mean, I've got one more for you actually that I don't have Go ahead. Of, Go ahead. which is e- equally as crazy. And 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 uh, probably also one of these totally like unbelievable ones. So one night, middle of the night, we get called out to the highway, to um, this bridge on the on on the highway, which is it goes over a ravine that's really steep. It's I think in the center of the bridge it's about seventy meters, and on each side it's about twenty to thirty and then it sort of drops into the seventy meter section in this in the middle. We get called out by the traffic police that they have somebody over the edge of this of this bridge. Um and they need to access this person. So we're like, cool. So we arrive there. There's this car parked against the concrete barrier. I like parked against concrete barrier. It's, it's hit the concrete barrier. It's all like scuffed down the side. And this is the scene of the of the thing. So we're like, wow. Okay, cool. Get there. We start working with it. We start chatting to the to the traffic officer, and we're like, okay, so no, what's the ordeal? So he's like, no, this guy went through the toll gate down the road, and he was sitting in the in the bay on the side, and noticed this car go through, thought the car was a little bit um, suspect, so he followed him up the highway for a bit, noticed the car was um, not maintaining his lane very well, was sort of like drifting in thing yeah so yeah he put his lights on indicated pull the guy over followed him up to the bridge does this guy sort of made a bit of a gap for it a a bit um got to got to this to where the bridge is this guy pulled over he hit the bridge bounced out of the bridge hit the bridge again got to stop got out of his car ran around the front of the car and jumped over the railings um in an attempt to avoid (laughs) the cops he jumped over the railing. This guy was wired. He was, I think he had probably had about seven cases of beer in him. He he was absolutely shit-faced to be quite plain and simple. He had a broken ankle. 
and a laceration to his head. That was it. Oh. <laughs> we were convinced he was dead. And the first guy down there, couldn't find him, abseiled down, stood on the guy's hand, and the guy was like, ah, oh. he's like, ah, oh, guys, he's still alive. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> we get this guy out there. He's got like minimal injuries. He's fallen about 30 meters. And the only way he survived is because he was so drunk. Shit. Oh my god, that's hilarious. It was like it was brilliant. So we're like the, the cop was like, no, I promise you, he got out of his car before I could get out of my car. He ran around the front of his car and jumped over the concrete barrier. He's like, and as he jumped over the barrier, I was like, That's far, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh Jesus. Freaking th- what did you say? Th- like 30 meters? Yeah, was it yeah, at that point it was about 30 meters. Has no idea. Just drunk as a skunk. Just, oh, I'm gonna jump just, over the barrier and just jump. Yeah. So that whole like, section of highway yeah, is is quite bushy alongside the barrier. So I'm guessing he thought he'd just jump over the barrier and disappear into the bushes, and, and just go go into hiding. Thirty and, meters. Yeah, yeah. Go into hiding. The cop would eventually get over it and leave. And uh, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, dude. <laughs> I can't get enough of these stories. I can't. I really, it's stupid awesome. <laughs> all right, Nick. I'll tell you what, I've taken a ton of your time today. Uh, thank you good. so much for joining me. Um, before I let you go, though, what advice would you have to pass on to those that are still doing the job now and or people that want to get into this? Sure. Okay. So, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things. I my number one is you can't save them all. Um, Your statement. You, so you, you've got to, you've got to learn that, that there are going to be ones that get you, um, but you cannot save them all. So you, you're racing the Grim Reaper on most of them, but sometimes you lose that race and, and it is what it is. Um, just you've got to move on and you can't get hung up on that. So that's my number one. Um, my number two in search and rescue, always take water with you. Doesn't matter how short you think that, that rescue is going to be, make sure you've got water. The rules of three apply to the rescue as well as they do to the rescued. So, yeah. um, uh, so I always had a camelback. I had a camelback mil-spec mule, um, which was three liters of water, an RFAC, my Leatherman, an airband radio, a flare, a head torch, and as many snacks as I could pack in there. Um, and <laughs> that was, that was it. And that was just, that would be whipped out and go. Um, and uh, yeah, I would often dish out stuff to people be like, Hey, you don't have water. Yeah. Take some before you keel over and I've got to carry you as well. Um, so yeah, that was, that's my, my number two, make sure you got water snacks are not as important, but your own be, be prepared to save yourself. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's a very, it's a, it's a very important one as well. And then the other age old two is one, one is none, especially in rope work. Um, I always had two descending devices on my, on my harness, two ascending devices on my harness. You're working on a rope, you drop it. It disappears into somewhere. You 10, 15 meters up a rope. You need another one. And if you've only got one, now you've got none. And that's, so yeah, I always had, I always had that two is one, one is none rule. Even in my RFAC, 
you know, two, two tourniquets, two hemostatic bandages, uh, that all that sort of stuff. Like just make sure you've got, you might never ever use them, but that day you're going to need it. True as nuts. One of them is not going to work. So, uh, yeah. And then my last point of lessons learned and, and things pointers communication is key. Develop some form of communication, whether it's a whistle and whistle blasts or I always That's had a good idea. I like yeah. that. Um, so often when you're working in rope work, you'd use a whistle. So you could whistle up and down the, the cliff face and two blasts mean pulled, one long blast meant stop. Um, you know, that's that sort of thing when, when you couldn't use a radio because your hands were busy, you could yeah. keep a whistle in your mouth. Um, oh, that's a really good idea. I like that. Yeah, um, never really thought about that. Of course, yeah, I'm on a helicopter, so they can't yeah. hear a whistle no matter what. But I know yeah, yeah. I, I do like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, and then, I mean, have a radio. We had a radio. I always had a radio, a GPS. I had two radios. So I had a normal VHF radio for comms and airband radio to come with the, with the airframes. Um, a GPS and a cell phone. Um, you just make sure you've got enough coverage. And I actually carried a satellite locator beacon as well that had the the satellite messaging service. So nice. if it all went proper pair, it'd just be like send a message. Um, yeah. yeah. So I mean, the, the breakdown in communication in in, in a um, search and rescue case just just takes a huge toll on you, and it, and it makes a case just so much more stressful. So make sure you've got good comms <clears throat> and yeah. So that's my, those are my four takeaways from, if you it. want to get into it or you're in it, think about those things. Um, yeah. That's good stuff, man. Nick, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, sharing all the stories, the advice here at the end. It's just, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much. No problem whatsoever. It's been great being here. Yeah. It's, and now I got to come up to the UK and see you up there because you're not in yeah. South Africa right now. So now I got to no. come up to the UK. Okay. Definitely. Twist my arm. I'm in. Yeah. Pull in. There's some there's some good uh, stuff here. And they actually do some really good calls here. And, uh, the the Coast Guard here is big in, into doing mountain calls. So the Coast Guard heli flies over my house. Jeez. At least once a week. So, noted. Yeah. And then take a nice big machine. So, yeah. Uh -huh. As my as my two year old calls it, the B bar helicopter. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Nick. Well, again, awesome. man, thank you so much. Um, I'll, I'll see a you pleasure. if I if I can get up there. I, you know, I'm definitely. You, so fantastic. Do that. Right. We'll do. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at therealrescue again a special thank you to all of you staying on the watch today always remember 
When that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>